Hey everybody, Chris Dayton here. Hey, Amber Yacklin. Part of the Dates and Yaks show, real estate show, coming to you live from West Bloomfield. Ooh, and it's a beautiful day outside. And ironically, we're at the public library. Yes. And we managed to score a room back here that, uh, well. Pretty view. Nice view. Yeah. The last one available. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to find rooms sometimes that are like are nice and quiet to think and get ready for these podcasts in, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, what else are we supposed to do? Right. Sit in our car. It's too hot for that today. It's way too hot. Yeah. It's, it's the a, middle of the summer. It's a hot day in Michigan. I was def I was at the pool this morning. Where are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is it, which, which is ironic being that we're about to talk about um, part two of our segment on depression right. and mental health in our industry. So remember when we were going to discuss this, because you and I have both battled some mental health issues, but same but different, right? Right. Some forms of depression that are a little, little looked a little bit differently. Um but I had made a joke. We we got to talk about some of the good stuff and the whole reason we stay in this industry. Otherwise, why does anybody be staying why would a, realtor? Be a realtor? Why would anybody be a realtor? They probably listen to the last podcast. They're like, oh my god, like, I can't oh, do this. I'm never going to be a realtor. No, the <laughs> the wonder, like for me, the joy of doing real estate was the ultimate flexibility. And I don't care what anybody says, there is flexibility in this job. I have been to like continuing education classes and things where people are like, you're crazy if you think you're going to have any flexibility and you're not working more hours in a normal job. Well, that all might be true, Mr. Buzzkill. Uh, <laughs> I do work all the time from the pool, from the beach, from New Orleans. I sold a house on vacation in Florida before. You told me the yeah. day I met you that you knew that you were in the right career the day you were sitting on what, a balcony where in San Diego? Yeah, it was actually Laguna Beach. Yeah. yeah. And you went, closed the deal right there on yeah. that balcony. With my feet up watching dolphins jump in the bay. And there. I was like, what am I doing in Michigan? What the hell am I thinking? <laughs> and then I got depressed. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> You're ridiculous. I don't know. That was probably not appropriate, but... So on our last show, we touched a little bit about some of the things that you kind of went through that led up to, you said you were kind of in a spin. And we said, what was that next step that you were able to take? Because you actually went and talked to somebody. And I don't think a lot of people in our society ever take that next step. Although most people would admit, I would admit, I wish I spoke to someone. I said a year and a half ago, I really wanted to go start seeing someone. Have I? No. What's holding you back? Um, that's a good question. I think like most other excuses I have for things, I don't put myself first all the time. We had said in the last episode, you know, leaders not always putting themselves first. Right. Well, that's definitely true for moms as well, right? When I'm in, yeah. the, I make the dentist appointments, the doctor appointments, I make sure everybody's enrolled for school and here and there and fed and clothed and alive at the end of the day, all while <laughs> doing my job at the same time. And, um, I keep saying I'm going to. I know people who go see a therapist. I know how much it helps them. Um, my, so my story a little more personally was after the birth of my third child, I definitely started dealing with some postpartum depression, but I didn't know that's what it was. And I think that's another problem in our society and the way we don't really openly discuss these things. Nobody knows what they have when they have it. 
Right. Nobody knows why they're feeling. We just assume that we hear the normal like, oh, you have the baby blues. And sometimes after you have a baby, you just don't feel the same. And it all feels sounds like a 1980s reader digest yeah, book. But depression is like cancer of the soul. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. When your mental health goes, there's not a lot that can bring you back from that. Right. And that even now, I think in our society, when we're finally starting to get the cusp of it and starting to figure it out, it's the same. I remember being a kid and people would be like, oh, homeless people asking for money on the streets. Why don't they just go get a job? Oh, no, I'm sure they prefer to just live on the streets in dirty underwear. I'm sure that's what because they have a mental issue that doesn't allow them to work the way you and I work. Yeah, there's usually not one event that landed someone on the streets. Right. It's a series, it's a long always, series. Right. It's always a long series, and it's and sometimes it's stuff you can't come back from. So taking care of our mental health should be above everything else, yet I think it's the last thing we think about. We go to the gym, right? Yeah, We've talked yeah, about that. Yeah. We go on diets that don't work. We follow every other fad, but when it comes to saying, like, who do you want to go talk to, you're like, oh, how am I going to fit that in my day or my week? Or my life, even though I think it would be a major benefit. So, wouldn't you agree that one of the best skill sets is how to to be able to say no? Oh yes. That doesn't when you say no to something, something or someone, someone's asking you to do something or participate in this or do this or do that. The ability to tactfully say no because you want to say no, but I feel sometimes we get pressured into things and we're like, oh, we got to do this and. I watch that with so many people, and if they just knew how to tactfully say no, I think their life would be a lot better off. I I would wholeheartedly agree. And it's not even that you're saying it because you're upset at somebody's asking you it or you really don't want to do it. It might even be something you're like, oh, I could. I could do that thing that you've asked me, but it's going to then take away from something else that I want to do or need to do. And sometimes you just can't stretch yourself that thin. So here's the one thing, I, one of the things that I learned is that was happening to me. I get a thousand phone calls a day of people trying to sell me stuff. You know, I need new leads for this. I need blah, 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 blah. You know, I need new signs. I need whatever. Do you want to switch brokerages? Do you want to do this? No. You know, and how do you say no to all that? And learning how to say no, uh, it can be fun. As, it becomes more sensitive when it's people close to you mm-hmm. and it's a family member or something like that. And what I've learned, the best thing I've learned is, you know what? Like if you were to ask me something and I didn't want to do it or I didn't have time for it or whatever, it was too much pressure. I would say, you know what, Amber, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Unfortunately, I cannot at this time do that. So I'm not saying no forever. I'm saying right now is not a good time for me because I have other things I need to take care of. And it's a focusing thing. Like I'm, I'm prioritizing, and I find that by prioritizing and being purposeful in what I'm trying to accomplish allows me to have more control over my life and then more easily let someone else say, you know what, I would love to do that. I cannot right now, but let's revisit that topic down the road. And then I think it also leads into this idea that we don't have to be everything to everyone. And we fall into that trap easily in this business. Right? Because I make the jokes with my buyers that I'm 95% therapist and 5% realtor. Because how many buyers are boyfriend and girlfriend or they're a couple or they're married, you know, and, and can they agree on a house? No. Never. I don't know how anybody buys a house together. They don't even know what's important. They to them. don't even know. They are in totally different spectrums. But what do we do? We help lead them and guide them and say, 
and we could say, oh, hey, Susie Q, well, you really liked a kitchen and Joe really wanted a three and a half car garage and this house has both. So even though you both don't like the carpet, maybe we could change that, right? Like, I mean, that's a silly example, <laughs> but you know, every agent on here is like shaking their head like, oh yeah, I totally know what you're saying. The and I'm working that. with Susie Q right now and she's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's just it's just what we go through in this industry. But what for me personally was hard was I found myself having my third child and it was hard. It was harder, I think, than having my first one or having my second one. Wow. And I ended up what she was born end of September and I closed the house in December. So while I felt ready and willing to get back right into real estate because again, it is that flexibility that allows me to be a successful realtor. I make money. I make decent money right. doing what I do. You no know question. that. Of course. No question, right? Like I go out there and I get it. And how many times have, when I first started, did you send me a lead? Yes. Yes. I say yes to everything because I want all those clients. And then I got pregnant and then I had a baby and I had to start saying no to the, to certain things. But when these clients came along, I wasn't going to say no. But now I'm doing this balance of nap times and feedings and caring for a small newborn again, which you forget. I swear, this is how God intended it so that you keep having more children. No. You literally forget how hard it is until you are sleep deprived and crazy and searching houses at three in the morning because that's when you're wide awake and working for your clients. It's it's bananas. But I found myself, it felt different than the first two. It wasn't just that normal, like I'm tired because I'm a new mom. I was exhausted and I wanted to just sleep and I wanted to be alone. And I didn't go through, I don't think like that full postpartum depression that some people do. I didn't want to harm myself or my child. But some people do, and right. they can't help it. And how do we reach those people without putting a stigma on them of you're a bad mom or you're a bad person? Right, exactly. It doesn't make you a bad person because you are battling something that's incredibly real, but it doesn't look real. You can't see it. It's not you tangible. You can't measure it. Right. You can't put a stethoscope to it and diagnose it. It's hard. It's very hard. But that doesn't that bring back to like how important it is to be aware of your surroundings and your social circles? You know, if you're going to church and, you know, you know a lot of people go to church because they, they're they seeking something, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, there's just as many people who have gone to church that have already, you know, decided what they believe in and they're there to worship. But there's a lot of people who go to church because they're seeking something. They're trying to find an answer to something that's ailing them in their life. And uh, being able to recognize that as a community I think that we, we need to pay more attention to that and just be like, you know, a little bit more uplifting, a little bit more encouraging, a little less critical. It's funny that you mentioned that, Chris, because it's like the playground rules, right? Like I just right. read an article on this. It's the it's like the essential thing we teach our kids on the playground. It's what you would tell your nieces and nephews. It's what I would tell my daughters. If you see somebody by themselves who doesn't, who looks like they're just all alone, just go say hi. Smile. Smile. If someone asks you a question, don't be annoyed. You know, it probably took a lot of guts for them to come up and just ask you that question. Right. You know, we see this even in adulthood. People are intimidated to come up and, and ask if they're new to a city or how to get somewhere. And we live in a fast-paced society where we're, we're so easily brush people off. And we don't even know what that person could really need. So, yeah, I think being self-aware, being aware of your surroundings is huge. And then what really started to help me 
was luckily I had a group of girlfriends when Salem was about four months old and they started going to the gym and they invited me to come. And I just must have intuitively known that I really needed this because I used to drive a half hour to the gym by their house, pack up the kids after Mia would go off on the bus. And it went from two days a week to four days a week. And that was when I was probably at my happiest in the last year was when I was I consistently going to the gym and it wasn't even about the physical change anymore. It wasn't about the scale or the baby weight. None of that. It literally was how happy I felt when I left there. I definitely think that there's something to, and by no means am I a fitness expert. Oh yeah. You should see me. I'm definitely not <laughs> a fitness we, expert. We're on podcast and not a blog. We should, yeah, <laughs> we should preface by saying, <laughs> um, but you know, when you work out, I know for me, I also started running, you know, I had moved and there was a gym that's right around the corner. I rejoined the gym and I hadn't worked out in over a year, the whole year that I was going through all that stuff. I just stopped working out and stopped. I guess it's, you know, people go, well, you got to work out to take care of yourself. Well, I stopped taking care of myself and making the time and making it a priority. Uh, because you get to the point where it's almost like, what's the point? And that, that's where I think the danger point is in mental health is when you get to somebody who has, you know, and we talked about those celebrities and those celebrities, you know, you know, you look back at Robin Williams, who think, you know, thinks has everything, you know, the, the yeah. world by his tail, funny, smart, articulate. What a great actor, well loved by so many people. So many people. And yet there was a hollowness in there and you don't know what happens, but you know, I know for me, uh, I got to the point where sometimes I was like, I don't even understand what the point of this is. Like, what's the point? It's it's almost not, it's an apathy towards life. Yes. Not that I think it could get worse or things like that. I just didn't understand what the point was. I think the hard part too, Chris, and the slippery slope is when we're talking about being self-aware, what do you even know that you're looking for? Because I'm going to tell you what depression looked like in me. It looked like someone who put on a nice pair of pants and a suit jacket and came into the office and laughed and went on appointments and then went out and had drinks with our whole team. I specifically remember a night when we went to a going away party for a colleague that was moving and I suddenly went from zero to 60 drinking. And I don't even know how it hit me. I drove home that night. I'm not proud to admit that. It's a moment in time that really stands out to me. And I think it was important because it was a turning point in figuring out that something was very, very wrong mm. with my situation. And that I was not reaching out enough or telling anybody what was really happening. Because I remember driving home that day, barely which is not safe for you on the road, me on the road. You know, there's a thousand scenarios that could have happened. I mean, drinking and driving is something that I have now just really taken like more of an... It's fairly obnoxious <laughs> with the fact that we have so much technology. It just, I mean, we've got Uber. And we've got, I mean, my husband could have gotten... There's a thousand scenarios where I didn't have to put myself in that situation. And I mean, I'm going home to take care of three kids. And the whole thing was just gross the next day when I really looked back on it. And this was a good, what, I mean, probably a year and a half, two years ago now. Um, so Sayla wasn't even born yet. I wasn't even pregnant with her yet. But that's where the cusp of it really took a turning point. And I knew something was wrong because my behavior, it wasn't just happy-go-lucky. I was self-medicating. Right. But it didn't look like I was. Right. You wouldn't have noticed it. Anybody sitting at that table wouldn't have noticed it because I was smiling and cheersing and eating and laughing. And so doing, how do we find it? Doing what everybody deems in society is living the life. Yeah. I just think there's so much more to it. And, and you know, so 
I would say, you know, over our two podcasts that we talked about, obviously we could keep talking about this forever. But I think some of the things that when you find yourself in those moments where you're starting to self-doubt, you're starting to wonder what's the point of this, um, you know, and going through those things and kind of getting to that that loneliness stage. Or if you ever have the feeling or the idea that you're on an island, nobody understands. I think that should be your tip, your red flag to like, you know what, maybe I need to go for a run. Maybe I need to go talk to somebody. Maybe I need to pick up the phone and I need to be transparent with somebody. And here's one of the biggest things I will tell you in my career, uh, being a leader and leading other people. It's amazing how much, if you are transparent to other people, how much more relatable they are to you and how stronger the relationship how much stronger the relationship gets. Yeah. Because that's the fear is I'm going to admit to you that I have flaws, that I'm weak, that I have problems, that I have this. And somehow you're going to take advantage of that when actually the truth of the matter is those people respect you more for being authentic and true to yourself and working. And they want it. It's more admirable. I would say definitely not feel you're not the only one there's literally nothing you're going through where you're the only one and one of the things that i was really passionate about especially at my church and and doing with people this year is trying to pay attention to let people in to that inner circle to pay more attention to like how they're feeling ask them how they're doing because when people asked me how i was doing i was fine isn't that that the great answer I'm i'm fine You're fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Things are going so great. But it really wasn't because, and sometimes even the people closest to us don't feel like a safe place. And I want to feel like that safe place for people. So if you even need just somebody to reach out to, you can email either one of us. We've gone through a lot of the same situations. We're not here to judge. We're totally here to relate to you and help find resources for whatever that next step might be. It's not always a therapist, but it's okay if it is. Right. It should be. That's what we need to change in our society. It should be. Yeah. In fact, it should be mandatory. We all need therapy, for goodness sakes. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. So, uh, all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, if you've got comments or want to talk more about this or even offline, get drop us a line, drop us an email, and uh, hit us up. We would love to chat. Uh, email is Chris period Dayton at DaytonGroup.com. Amber's is Amber period Yachlin at DaytonGroup.com. Hit us up. Let us know what you're thinking. And until next time, be safe, guys. Have some fun. Grab some drinks and tell somebody you love them. And then get an Uber. And then get an Uber. <laughs> Bye, guys. Over Bye. and out. <laughs>